Let's pray before we get started, and then we're going to say our faith confession together. So get that ready, David. Father, I thank you for all of the good things that you do. You are a God of abundant goodness, and we thank you for that, Lord. I recognize that in this place, your spirit is here, and that you are moving on hearts and minds. Who knows the mind of men other than the spirit that searches the heart of men and knows the heart and mind of God? That is your presence. Lord, I pray that you would speak to every life today and that you would anoint my words, Lord God, to minister to your people. Father, I thank you that in this place, there are people that you drew, drew here today that need to either begin a relationship with you or restart one. And Father, I declare that today nothing will stand in the way when the invitation is made for them to do just that. Lord, I also recognize that you've drawn people here that need a family of faith. They need brothers and sisters to encourage them and help them and support them and help them walk out their healing. So Father, I thank you that given a chance today, nothing will impede people from saying Celebration International Church is the place, the faith home that you have for me. And God, I recognize that I'm not speaking to a group of defeated people. I speak by faith now, Lord, knowing that these are victorious men and women, that they are overcomers, more than conquerors in Christ, and that there is no thing and there is no one, no power, no principality that can stand in their way because when you are for us, who can be against us? So in Jesus' mighty name, we give a mighty amen and amen. Amen. Praise God. All right, I want you to say this with me. There's a lot of announcements, so maybe you need to recalibrate real quick. I want you to say this confession with me right now. The applied word of God will change my life instantly. I actively embrace and embody its teachings. Pleasing God is my purpose. I walk in faith, not sight. I claim promises, pursue passionately, and prosper as my soul prospers. My faith is proof. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, this week, I was contemplating on the pilgrims. How many of y'all think about the pilgrims, you know, this time of year? Some of y'all do, right? It's like there was a, a trend going around, people asking, do you think, guys, do you think about the Roman Empire? And it's like a trend that's happening all around. Uh, but this time of year, I think about the pilgrims. And I was contemplating this week on the pilgrims that settled in Plymouth Colony. Many of them, on their way from London to Cape Cod, became very ill on that voyage. Some even died as they traversed the Atlantic. They had few supplies to lay in for winter when they got here. And so they frantically tried to put together some cabins because there was no fort, there was no city. It was all a brand new horizon and frontier. It was November already along the North Atlantic. And there was no place waiting for them. When winter struck in full force, of the 100 who had landed, 50 died. 
And of the remaining 50, only six or seven could do the daily chores to sustain life for the others. In the spring, their crops failed. Man, this sounds like an amazing journey, right? Already, like, wow. Yet they stayed on, and they formed good relations with the Indians. And later in the summer, they saw a second shipload of 45 people join the colony. In the fall, however, a drought threatened to destroy their second planting. A famine set in, and so they set aside a day to fast and to pray for rain. And the prayers were answered. Say amen. So they set aside a day of thanksgiving to God. Say thank you. I, just, I, I think about the story, and, and there's a lot with history, but it doesn't negate this portion of the story as well. Now I wonder if half of our population in our city had died last winter, including members of each of our families, would we be able to express a heartfelt Gratitude to God this Thanksgiving. You know, I recognize that some people approach this holiday this year amidst challenges. Maybe like my family, some of you experience this holiday in the midst of a death of a loved one. As my wife is still traveling back from Brazil after her father passed away. And so... I understand that some of us are coming to this holiday amidst terrible circumstances, while others have faced other types of challenges, financial or health or opportunity-wise. You know, some are dealing with debt and others are dealing with, you know, broken relationships at home and tensions at the Thanksgiving dinner table. So I understand that it's not just rainbows and butterflies when we come to this holiday, some of you have come with real challenges. Yet amidst all of this, my question as I contemplated this week and I spent time with my kids and, you know, tried to do this, you know, single parent thing, which may God bless every single, single parent that we have here. Can you all give it up for them? You deserve honor and you deserve help. All right. So may God strengthen you and bless you. I only did it for a week. All right. Some of you, this is life. And may God strengthen you and provide for you. Um, I'm thinking in the midst of this, as I contemplate the pilgrims, as I look at the circumstance with my wife and my father-in-law and others that I talk to and pray with over the phone and, and we're just going through challenges, do the challenges nullify any of our obligations of gratitude? Do the challenges that we face cancel out any requirement or responsibility of ours to give gratitude to God? And so as I was contemplating this, this scripture, one of uh, favorite scriptures of mine, you know, every week I have a favorite scripture, right? Uh, Because the Bible is just so amazing. But I was contemplating this scripture that came to mind after I contemplated that question. It's found in Luke chapter 17. I want you to grab your Bibles and open it up there. I'm reminded of how God placed, maybe for this exact moment, when I'm contemplating challenges in the midst of a season that should be marked with gratitude, God lands this story in the Gospel of Luke for us to see and answer that question. Luke 17, verse 11, when you're there, say amen. 
All right, let me give a few more moments to those who are looking for Luke 17. It'll be up also on the big screen, the big Bible, right? Um, right up there. It's the story of the 10 lepers. <coughs> Verse 11. While Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, the name is not important, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Let's make sure to keep that detail in there. Then Jesus answered, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Praise God. That's right. Let me give you some context in the scripture. And I've got some simple application. I want you to contemplate this Thanksgiving season. As we still are on Thanksgiving Day weekend, right? Cyber Monday is tomorrow. Shopping, people get ready, right? But we still are in this season of gratitude. We start with 10 leprous men, 10 guys who have the worst type of disease that they could have had back in their day. This was like a death sentence, a long, slow, drawn out death sentence. This is a disease that could take the span of over 30 years and leprosy would attack the body, leaving sores and missing fingers and missing toes and damaged limbs. In many cases, it was beyond just affecting with pain. It got to your nerve endings and it desensitized you from pain. It made it simply impossible for you to understand that your body was having to react to something painful because you couldn't feel anything anymore. It's as if you took Novocaine on all your limbs and you could not feel throughout the course of your everyday life when you got a paper cut or you, you know, cut your finger down to the bone as you're cooking dinner or you, you, know, got, you bumped into a cart as you're getting ready to straddle and, and, and prepare your, your mule to go on a journey and, and then you, know, you can't feel anything there and now you have an open sore and an infection sets in and there's no sense of urgency to take care of the issue. You just realize, oh yeah, look, my finger is hanging off. But yet, there's no pain to tell you, do something about it right now. Alert, alert, danger. You know, you're, you're taking care of the meal and, and you go and you touch the hot stove or the pot or the fire and the embers and all of a sudden you start to smell something. You're like, what's that? Oh, your arm is on fire. It was a terrible disease that limited people, and it caused a lot of issues. It was very contagious and infectious. It smelled terrible. 
The smell of rotting flesh was all around those who had leprosy. The cries of the people who had to scream out because there was a social requirement since it was so infectious that they had to be set apart from society, kicked out of town, kicked out of the home, out of the family, and they had to declare to every person that they met, unclean! They had to cover their upper lip. They had to, you know, wear ragged, torn clothes so that they could be visually identified from far away and they could be audibly identified as you approached. Every t- Think about this, the emotional drain and strain of this disease. Every time you scream, unclean, it's a reminder to you of your hopelessness It's an affirmation of your disease, and it's a confirmation that everybody else should shun you and be isolated from you. There is no, the moment you find out, I've got the black spot, I got leprosy, I got this or that. There is no, let me go home and kiss my honey goodbye. Let me hug the kids one last time. Let me just say I love you to my grandkids. No, the moment you know, you're immediately expelled. Can you imagine this kind of life? So Jesus comes upon these 10 lepers that had no way of getting themselves well. They are dealing with pain, with numbing, with rotting flesh, with terrible, grotesque, putrid smells, the ugly sights to see, limbs are falling off, disfigurement is set in, all of that wonderful, beautiful stuff. Just kidding. He encounters these men. And now these guys somehow have heard of Jesus. I don't know if they've heard of the man in Luke chapter 5, but they've heard of Jesus. And as he's passing by, maybe they, they say, Master, just because they're hoping for extra alms and blessings. But they heard of this man. Jesus is coming by. So they scream out, Master, have mercy on us. Have pity on us. And Jesus responds in the most unusual way. He says, hey, go, show yourselves to the priest. Jesus is walking by. They're crying out. And as Jesus walks by, yeah, go show yourselves to the priest. He keeps on going. Or he parks to talk to somebody else. But there's no laying on of hands. There's no talking. There's no prayer. There's no nothing. There's just Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. And that's it. What a weird response. What an interesting thing that Jesus says to them in verse 14. Go show yourselves to the priest. Why? Well, because besides leading worship, the priests were also recognized as a makeshift health official per the Mosaic law, Leviticus chapter 14. They were supposed to be the ones that once you came back and you had an issue of skin and you had a disease on your skin, you would go to the priest if you felt that you had been healed or received a healing, that you would go and they would check you out, give you a health inspection, give you a checkup, and then they would say, yep, rubber stamp, you are clean, certified, A-OK. Go back to your house, go back to your 
spouse, go back to your kids. You can now regain your employment. You can now supply and sustain your family. You can be reintegrated back into the temple and worship. You now are a viable member of society once more. The priest held the responsibility to do that. So just as a sidebar, you know, sometimes people say, oh, Jesus came and there's nothing about the law and Jesus is just upturning everything and his kingdom is upside down. Absolutely. But Jesus shows right here that there is order to God's kingdom and he has come to fulfill the law, not abolish it. Go show yourselves to the priest. I want you to get reintegrated back to society. So implicit on his command is this, you're healed. But Jesus, you didn't pray for them. Go show yourselves, because in the go show, I have already supplied the healing. Go show yourselves to the priests. And on their way, the Bible says that they were healed. Imagine this, as they are going, open sores start to close up. Imagine that. As they are walking, dead, discolored flesh starts to regain its natural color. Think about this one. As they're walking, all of a sudden a toe pops out where there wasn't a toe. I, pff, come on. Like, did you read the story? Go look up some pictures of leprosy. I didn't want to, you know, put it up here because a lot of you are planning an incredible lunch after the church. And I don't want to make you lose your appetite. But after you've eaten and you've digested and there's no danger of you vomiting, go ahead and look up some pictures and think about the places where there's missing limbs and no ears and just open sockets and lips have fallen off. All of a sudden, pop, 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 things start to show up. Somebody give God praise. As they went, they were healed. As they went, things started to change. And I can just imagine these men, these 10 men, as they're going, all of a sudden, they start to feel like sensation back in their hands. And they start to feel, oh, wow, the floor feels rough. I have lost sensation of what the ground feels like. I'm not wearing shoes. I got feet. And all of a sudden, smiles start to curl on their faces. And all of a sudden, worship starts to break out and praise and noise. And they start to rejoice and celebrate in loud voices as they're going. And then at that moment, at that moment, one of them decides to do something else. But as I'm thinking about this, these guys encounter Jesus. He tells them, go show yourself to the priest. And as they go, their nightmare is over. Which brings me to this thought that we have to think during Thanksgiving season. We have to think all throughout the year that while we are encountering challenges, we cannot wait for resolution before engaging faith. You have to remember at Thanksgiving, you cannot wait for resolution before you activate and engage your faith. Jesus says, go to the priests. Think about their circumstance. What has changed, Sharon? Nothing. They look at their hands. Yep, I am John, 
two fingers. I am Billy with no lips. I have stubs for appendages. Think about this. Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. And at that moment, nothing has changed. Nothing is different. They don't say, hey, uh, Lord, uh, hold up, hold up. Do something for us first before we go in obedience. See, church, we have to engage faith while we have challenges. The Bible tells us this again and again, that we have to step out and be obedient before the resolution. We have to engage our faith. We can't say, oh God, you know what? Hold up, Jesus. Lord, only when you heal this illness will I acknowledge you. Oh Lord, only when you provide the finances will I follow your instructions. God, only when you deal with my broken relationship will I go to church. God, only when this happens, then I'll do. Like we put conditions on God, yet God puts demands on us. We can't put conditions on God to move in our lives so that we can then demonstrate faith in him and obedience. God has placed demands on our actions that require faith in the midst of circumstances. You cannot put conditions on God. Go show yourself. And as they went, they were cleansed. God might be saying to someone here, love me despite your illness. He might be saying to someone else here, follow me despite your lack of resources. Hey, follow me. Although you feel inadequate, go for me. God wants us to engage faith because, friends, this is proper faith. And what an amazing gift it is. Think about that. What an amazing gift it is that God activates us while we are broken, lost, pitiable, less than. Because otherwise, there'd be like, you know, three of y'all in here, perfect people, of which my wife is one. <clears throat> um, there is no perfection this side of eternity. Thank God that he allows us in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our issues, while we are in the circumstance, to activate our faith and go with him and see him move. We don't have to wait to get it all together. He did not say to, his, to these 10 men, y'all need to, you know, like get right. Let, let's see if you can uh, make a limb pop out and, and let's make sure you clean. Go take a shower at the very least before you show up at the, at the priest's home or tabernacle or wherever you're going to find them and, and, uh, and harass them and whatever because you're following after this command. Proper faith. God invites us to engage before resolution. So don't be so brazen as to withhold from God the obedience, the praise, the worship that you need to give in the midst of your circumstance. Oh, I don't know if I can be grateful this Thanksgiving. I got this family member coming, and you know they always cause drama. I don't know if I can be grateful to God because I have this bill that doesn't get paid, and I don't know when I'm going to pay it, and, and they're trying to evict me or this or that or whatever. We need to not withhold from God the worship that is due his name. And the gratitude that he deserves in the midst of our brokenness and problems and show faith by doing so. What does the Bible tell us about our problems, our trials, our difficulties? The Bible tells us so many wonderful things. James says, consider it pure joy, 
my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Peter tells us, uh, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange is happening to you. Nothing strange here. You're human just like everybody else. Welcome to the club. Paul tells us in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, church, I want you to understand, Paul thanked God from a prison cell in Rome. Peter thanked God after being whipped. Job praised God after the sudden death of his children. Oh, but God, I need to get this ready and resolved before I can worship you. Baloney. The Greek word for that is baloney. All right? Our problems do not nullify the fact that we owe a debt of gratitude to God. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. I have been anointed to preach the good news to the poor, to bring freedom to the captives, to release from bondage those who are oppressed, We owe a a debt of gratitude to God that has done that for our lives and in our homes and for our families. We have so much to be grateful for and thankful. So let's go on to the next thing. Verse 15 through 16. It says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, and he gave him thanks. And that's how we read that. We just read it like this. But I want you to think about this. Among many things, leprosy attacked the vocal cords of people. It deteriorated their vocal cords. So much so that these men probably sounded like raspy, raggedy voices. When they cried out every day, unclean, unclean. And they have to shout it out, and it strains, and it hurts. Maybe they don't have the sensation of pain anymore because of the numbing. But they don't sound too good. They don't have much of a voice. But they were told, you have to raise your voice and warn everybody else. Remind yourself of who you are. Stay in your lane, broken man. And use that broken voice that you've got. And so think about this. This man didn't stop himself before from crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. If he could raise his voice at the time of his pain, then he for sure could raise his voice at the time of his provision. So I want you to understand, it's not, Jesus, thank you. This is this man running. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Do you see this? He is loud and proud. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Bless inertia to my body. And Lord God, don't let my neighbor see that I'm praying and worshiping you. Loud. Proud. One man came back and he praised God. He was thankful. He was public. He was bold. He wasn't shy. So lift up my voice. Don't you get shy on me. Right, Lonnie? 
You got a lion inside of those boats. Come on and praise the Lord. He got up with a loud voice. He fell at his face at the feet of Jesus and he worshiped. Why was he so loud? For years, this man had to scream unclean. For as long as he had leprosy, despite the conditions of his voice, it had been years, possibly. He probably yelled so long, he did not know how to come to the Lord quietly. Question, have you been struggling for a while? Well, embrace the gift that that is, where God has conditioned you to get loud before him for resolution. And now once he provides it for you, don't get quiet and shy on him, but get loud in giving him praise. Why? Because number two, you cannot at Thanksgiving silence the gratitude for God's goodness. You can't. You cannot silence gratitude for God's goodness. You have to, oh, I ripped my pants. Look at that. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. That one will go in the trophy case. Um, Though Jesus let us continually offer through Jesus, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Hebrews 13, 15. Instead of going to the priest, this man became a priest. And he built an altar at the feet of Jesus, and he worshiped God. The other nine went to see the priest and go present themselves. This man became the priest and says, I'm not moving from this moment. God has been faithful to me to provide for me. I need to give him the glory that is due his name. I will not be silent. Nobody will shut me up. Nobody will put a mask or a muzzle on me. I'm giving God what he deserves. And that's all throughout the Bible. Make a joyful noise. Rejoice in the Lord always. Sing with spiritual songs. We are to bring noise and get loud before our God. So when you come to church and you see worship, we spend half our time together singing songs. Is it because we don't have the money to go to concerts? Maybe some of us. Maybe some of you are musically inclined and you just love to be around music, so you come. But look, the reason we do this is so that we can give God glory and sing lyrics and songs that are embedded in Scripture that talk about His character, His nature, His attributes, His faithfulness, His goodness. And we get to align our hearts and our spirit to receive from God who is so good. It says, enter His gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. He inhabits the praises of his people. So we need to come into church ready to get our groove and our song on. We need to come to church and say, I don't care what's happening in my life. I'm taking a step of faith just by opening my mouth with a song. It is a step of faith for Pastor Brian to sing because nobody wants to hear him sing. He can't sing. But he's going to give a sacrifice of praise. I'm going to give a sacrifice of praise, Danny, in the midst of my issue. So, 
You cannot silence gratitude for God's goodness. And this man says, ah, you all can go show yourselves to the priest. I'm going over here and I'm going to get loud to the one who changed my circumstance. And I don't know about you this Thanksgiving week, right? It was a shorter week, right? How many of you worked less days? Show of hands. All right, how many of you had more chores to do this week? Show of hands. How many of you all cooked for everybody else that was coming to visit you at your home? Show of hands. How many of you all try to go to the mall and do your Black Friday shopping and your Christmas shopping because people are expecting gifts from you? And that was chaotic. I went to two stores just to get out of the house with my kids because my brother and, 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 and uh, his girlfriend is here. And we left. We didn't do any. We didn't accomplish much, but that took a long time. I'm like, I'm leaving. These kids are getting antsy. There's no way I'm standing in traffic. My mom said it took her two hours to get through Route 9. Two hours. God bless you. This week was shorter. There was more requested of us. There was more activity to do. There's all this busyness that's here. And how many of us silenced the voice of gratitude? How many of us actually took time this Thanksgiving and this week to really say, Lord, I am grateful I am thankful. And look, I'm just bringing that up because there's still hope and time. Today, you change that if you did not do the gratitude that you need to do during Thanksgiving. Today, say, I'm going to block off some time. And this week, I'm blocking off some time. And I'm going to make a list of the things I'm grateful for. I'm going to spend time worshiping God and just praising him. I am not going to bring a single request before my God. I'm just going to bring him a list of all the things I am thankful for. All the things that he has done for me. All the things that he has penetrated and done in my family. All the changes that he has affected in our lives. The protection that he's given us. The provisions that he's provided for us. The health that he has filled me up with, I'm going to give him praise. If you haven't done that yet, you could do that yet. You could do that still. This man would not be silent. All right. Are you guys with me? Let me give you one more. There's more, but I'll give you just one more. Point number three, you can't settle for the temporal when the eternal is available. At Thanksgiving, please don't settle for the beautiful spread when there is an eternal spread available for you. Do not settle for the temporary solution when there is a permanent everlasting one that is being offered to you. I want you to look at three words with me. And let me become a little geek right now, okay? As I study and research and go to the original languages and all that wonderful, great stuff. I want to talk to you about three words. Why didn't the other three Samaritan, uh, the other nine men turn with the Samaritan? Why didn't he convince them to come or they'd say, you know what, I'm going. You know, they're being obedient. There's no doubt about that. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. They're going to go do that. Kudos to them, faithful. But yet this one man stopped. He came back. He would not be silenced. He became the priest, built an altar, worshiped God. There was much more in store for them, and yet they went just to the priest. Look at the scriptures with me. The first word I want you to look at in verse 15, it says, One of them, when he saw he was healed. Stop right there. The Greek word here is ioamai. Ioamai. Sounds really funny and weird. But it's purely a medical term. And this word means to mend, to repair, like a broken bone is finally mending and healing. So this guy, 
as he goes, looks at himself and realizes, I've been patched up. I'm getting mended. I've been healed. Now go to verse 17. Jesus asked, were there not ten cleansed? Park it there. The Greek word here is katarizo. And that word is the root word that we get, all my medical folks, catheter from. It's also a medical word in a sense where it means to remove impurities. To remove impurities. When the doctor inserts a heart cath, angioplasty, it might remove some of the blockage that is there in the artery. It allows the impurities to be removed so that the thing can be brought to health, so that there could be a mending and a healing that happens there. And naturally, there was Jewish connotations with this word as well that are very important too. But listen, to be cleansed was exactly what the priests would declare of the nine that showed up. You have been cleansed. You have been removed of impurities. You are now fit to return to society. And it carried this religious overtone as well. You are now able to resume worship of God. There is no obstacle in the way now of you coming to the temple to worship. But there's one more word. Look with me at verse 19. Jesus says this to the very thankful man. Rise and go your way for your faith has made you well. Made you well. That's a very different word from Ioamai and Katharizo. This is the word sozo. The word sozo is the word which means saved. This man builds an altar, worships God. It says, I needed to bring glory to God, and he brings glory to God at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, you have been made saved. You have been made well. Sozo. The Greeks would use this word of people who escaped dangerous situations. Sailors who survived storms at sea had been saved. They had been sozoed. When Matthew began his gospel, go back to um, chapter 1 of Matthew and look at verse 21. You're going to find that when uh, the, the vision comes to the parents of Jesus, Joseph and Mary, the angel declares something. You need to name him Jesus, for he is going to sozo the world. He is going to save the world. His name means Savior. He will save and bring wellness, wholeness, completeness. He will make them whole. He will bring salvation. When Paul described what would happen to a person who publicly professed Jesus as Lord and Savior, he used the very same word. If you go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, go and look at it in your own Bibles. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be sozoed, saved. For it is 
with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are sozoed, saved. And Jesus says this to the very thankful man who had been healed, the man who was willing to follow God before the circumstances changed. He activated his faith and he started walking. He saw his healing. He stopped and says, I will not be silent. I've got to go back to this Jesus because I need to give glory to God and praise to him because he declared for me to go. And when he said that, I was healed. He must be the son of God. He must have something within him that I need. And so I need to give him worship and adoration. And when we confess with our lips that Christ is Lord, Salvation comes. Friends, I don't know if you're getting the whole point of the sermon, but here it is, that there were nine friends who were declared clean by a priest, but then there was one man who was declared saved by the Son of God. And that declaration is available to each and every one of us because some of you are thinking, what does this have to do with me? I am not a leper. My skin looks flawless. I haven't had a pimple since I was a teenager. But every single one of us have fallen short of God's glory. And every single one of us have been marred by sin. Every single one of us have something defiling us in our very nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve. And that makes us spiritual lepers. And we might not get taken out in a moment, but we are progressively moving towards death if we do not encounter the one and only who can heal us and save us and make us sozo. So I invite the team to stand with, uh, to come back up and all of you to stand with me today. While it's a wonderful opportunity to experience the miracle of physical healing, it's even more wonderful to experience the miracle of eternal salvation. How many times I've gone and I've prayed with people at the hospital and I've prayed with people in their homes and family members have called and say, hey, look, my, my son doesn't go to church and my, my, my sister, you know, doesn't really know the Lord, but can you come and can you pray with them? And I remember going, you know, to, to somebody who had a motorcycle accident and I'm there praying and the person's laid up in the bed and, and we're praying together because someone asked for me to come and yes, I'm seeking God for physical healing, but you know what, what happens so oftentimes that people will step out of their bed of pain and out of their issue and their trauma and their accidents. And in that moment, they're asking everybody and anybody to pray. If it stands still long enough, you know, like we're going to pray, we're going to believe. If they can breathe, pray, say a prayer. If you got a Bible, read it to me. And in that moment, people are open and receptive. But then the minute they step out and things go back, pride sets in and they don't worship. They don't come back. Silence sets in. They, they choose the temporal over the eternal. They settle for the temporary versus the everlasting. Every single one of these men, including the one who praised Jesus, one day might have gotten sick again, might have been met with an accident, experienced the natural deterioration of the body, 
for it's appointed for every man to live once. We've got to live. There's a time to do so, but then there is a time to die. And all nine that went to the priest got sick or died one day. The one who worshiped Jesus did so the same. But the nine never encountered the eternal. They only received healing to join their families once more, to make a few more memories, to earn a little bit more money, to, you know what, go on another vacation or do, you know, something within the sphere of recognition and, and rewards within society. But when the day came and death showed up at their door, that's all they had. For they exchanged the eternal for the temporary. Yet the one who turned and came back to Jesus, he met death like a friend. He was prepared that day when it came. For he had rejected the temporary, knowing that if I chase the eternal, God will take care of the temporary. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things shall be added unto you. I don't know where you stand today in terms of your gratitude. I don't know where you stand in terms of your relationship with Jesus. I'm not oblivious to the fact that in this room there are men and women who before you got to this place, you sinned. I sinned before I got here. Pastor, you sinned? Yes, I did. I got angry and I sinned because something wasn't getting done right and the kids weren't complying and I needed to go and there's time and some of y'all had a really intense fellowship with your wife this morning or your spouse you know intense fellowship no argument intense fellowship and then you walk through these doors and you put a big smile on but you weren't smiling in the car Maybe in your heart you've sinned. Some of us contemplated something about our neighbor. Some of us saw something on our computers or our phones. Some of us tried to, you know, get around and make a shortcut where something that we are called to do the right way, we just chose not to do it. We have sinned. So I don't know about you, but all of us need to come to Jesus and say, Lord, please have mercy on me. Father, I need you to release the blessing of your son over my life to wipe me and cleanse me of my spiritual leprosy. And if nothing else, there's many of us here who just need to be recalibrated with our gratitude. I want you to just close your eyes and imagine this with me. As you get ready to respond to an invitation to receive and reconnect with Christ and an invitation for you, to stir up your gratitude by giving him a sacrifice of praise this morning. There's a pastor from North Carolina back in 1996, Pastor Jack Hinton. He went on a short-term mission trip to the island of Tobago. And there he was leading worship at a leper colony don't really see those here in the States, but they are around. There was time in the worship set for just one more song. 
So he asked if anyone had any requests. A woman who had been facing away from the pulpit turned around. These are the words of this pastor. It was the most hideous face I have ever seen. The woman's nose and ears were entirely gone. The disease had destroyed her lips as well. She lifted a fingerless hand in the air and asked, Can we sing, Count Your Many Blessings? Jesus, overcome with emotion, that pastor left the service. And he was followed by a team member who said, Jack, I guess you're never going to be able to sing that song ever again. Here's his reply. Yes, I will. But I will never sing it in the same way. Church, when we realize what Christ has done for us, how can we sing the same? How can we come to church the same? How can we look at our neighbors who are made in the image of God the same? When we recognize, I don't deserve a single iota of your grace. What I deserve, you also meet with mercy. So as we close our eyes today, I invite you to Thanksgiving right now without the trimmings and the fixings and the food. This is Thanksgiving. Do what you want with it. May God bless you.